Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time for another edition of Know Your Enemy. Uh, we're hanging out tonight, as always. I am your deputy editor and host, Michael Beck. Hanging out, uh, not with Jeffrey Benedict tonight. We got a sub in, Mr. Brian Anthony Davis, the bad one. Brian, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing fantastic. I have a lot more hair than Jeffrey, but I don't have the knowledge that he has. So I feel like uh, I'm going to try to overcompensate, but at least I've got the I've got the grass on the... <laughs> on the field up here people will be distracted by your dashingly good looks brian I, i'm yeah. sure i'm sure we'll make it through on this one I, i'm not gonna lie to you tiger beat it keeps on calling me i don't even know if that's still a thing but you don't even know what that is you were born in the 90s but tiger beat was the thing back in the 70s and 80s like ralph macchio all those those teen heartthrobs i know i'm 48 but i could be that teen heartthrob again dreams do come true uh we also have a special guest tonight uh, from bleeding green nation the editor of bleeding green uh mr brandon Gordon. uh brandon how are you doing tonight sir i'm doing great guys thank you for having me glad to be here oh it, it is our pleasure right off the top here uh just super general about uh, your philadelphia eagles a bit of a slow-ish start out of the gate, um, starting to pick up. Obviously, a couple losses, a tie and a win. That, that's that's a great bell curve right there, heading in the right direction. Still sitting atop the uh, the NFC East, though. What's kind of the vibe on this whole team? How, how is kind of Eagles Nation kind of uh, reacting to this start? Yeah, so I think there's two different uh, answers here. Like, there's my perspective, and then there's Eagles fans at large. I think Eagles fans at large, I'll start with that, are feeling – more optimistic, you know, about the win uh, against the 49ers, you know, for as banged up as they were, you know, it's still a team that went to the Super Bowl last year in the NFC. And uh, so I think people are buying into that a little bit. I don't think they think the season is totally saved, but there's more hope for sure than there was heading into week four. Uh, Carson Wentz had his best game, which is a very low bar, but, you know, he, he played well enough to help the team win. Doug Peterson, I think, did some good things. Jim Schwartz has the defense playing well. The, the, the Eagles defensive line, um, I believe is like uh, 12 sacks and 33 quarterback hits in the last couple of games here. So they're really turning it on. So there are signs for optimism to me. I still, I'm not buying in at all. I mean, you know, they beat up a very injured 49ers team that was starting Nick Mullins and had to bench him. Um, so they still have to show me a lot before I'm really fully buying back into them. Um, but I think in general, people kind of have, you know, a little bit more hope than they did heading into week four. Awesome. With this not being the, NFC East that we're used to seeing, especially with Dallas struggling, is there more optimis optimism or are you waiting for Dallas to rear their ugly head again and uh, come back to come back to uh, prominence? Because right now they have been probably the most disappointing team in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think the Cowboys should still be favored, and I think most people consider them the favorites, even though the Eagles are ahead right now, just because. You know, for as bad as that defense has been, I, I think the assumption is they can't continue to be this bad on defense, even if they just kind of end up being kind of mediocre or poor instead of like historically the worst defense in the NFL, one of them. Um, I, I think, you know, between that and the offense there, obviously that's been clicking for them. Uh, you know, whereas the Eagles, I, I just, again, they still have a lot to prove. And I guess for me, uh, when you look at the NFC East and yeah, the Eagles could win it and that's great in the short term. Uh, I think it could be one at something like six, nine and one, or, you know, seven, eight and one, which is really sad. Um, but I, I think my concern with the Eagles here is that I don't really know that winning the division 
with such a poor record, you know, kind of just struggling to get there, but kind of winning it by default, it's really a, a great thing for the long-term health of the franchise. I think, you know, those two ugly losses we saw, and then really even playing really bad enough to win or to lose rather against the Bengals. Like there's long-term concerns here about Carson Wentz, about Howie Roseman, the Eagles general manager. So uh, it'd be kind of like a false positive almost to me if they really kind of just don't even look that good and win the NFC East by default. Um, so I think that's where it's at right now. It's kind of a, a weird thing to say that it wouldn't be the best thing to win a division, but I think that's kind of the spot they could be in. Interesting. I, I have a, a couple thoughts on Wentz that I, I want to ask you, but uh, I want to flip uh, just over to Brian here. The Steelers 3-0 and start, obviously kind of a surprise bye week. Uh, ben Roethlisberger shared some thoughts earlier on, on that uh, topic earlier today. Is there any kind of concern that this team can kind of uh, lose its momentum uh, heading into this uh, into the, their fourth game of the season? There's always that concern, but if they do, then they are not the team that we think they are. They are not the uh, the team that Ben Roethlisberger came back to after a year off. That would mean to me that they are not they do not have the heart of a champion if they will let this distract them. Look, we talked about this all week. I talked about it all week because I remember 2001. And 2001 was a team that got blown out in week one of the NFL season against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Week two, September 11th happened. It was a it was a tragedy for our entire country. They did not play at all that week. Nobody played in the NFL that week. They took it all off. The next week, because there was only 31 teams, you got to remember, this was two years after the Cleveland Browns came back as the 31st team, and one year removed one year, excuse me, one year away from the Houston Texans coming to the league. So every week there was a team on a bye, including week one, week 17. So what happened, the Steelers' bye just happened to be week three. So they had a three-week bye, basically, at the beginning of the season, had to play 15 straight games and two in the playoffs. So they played 17 straight games, and they went 14-3 and down that stretch. And that was with Cordell Stewart as your quarterback. So what I'm saying here, this team, if they're who we think they are, should not struggle. Like Mike Tomlin said, we don't care about a bye. And they don't. I realize what Ben Roethlisberger said, and he's saying this as a team leader. This is also a message to the guys. I've got your back. But don't read anything into it. They, they're they prepared to come into this game. And if they don't, it's going to be a major disappointment. No kidding. Now, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, Carson Wentz, uh, down to Brandon here on this one. Carson Wentz throwing th- or seven interceptions through the first four games. Uh, I, I think a couple years back, he had seven in an entire season, something along those lines. Is there some sort of like major kind of concern, some sort of uh, red lights going off here on uh, this kind of start for uh, the Eagles uh, starting quarterback? There should be. I mean, it's, it's been really bad. I mean, I was I was going through it today, and you know, I wrote an article. I started writing an article about Dwayne Haskins getting benched, you know, because he's in the NFC. So, thought I'd highlight that on Bleeding Green Nation. And I was like, wait a minute here. Like, let me look at a comparison of the stats between Dwayne Haskins and Carson Wentz. And uh, Carson Wentz is worse in completion percentage, worse in yards per attempt, worse in passer rating, worse in uh, football outsiders metrics, DER and DVOA. He's worse in PF or actually uh, Haskins is one better in PFF grade, but they're, they're right there at the bottom. So like, I mean, he, he's playing terribly right now. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are kind of like, okay, he had his best game 
against the 49ers, but that was such a low bar. And he really didn't even play all that well. Uh, he had a really good touchdown pass to Travis Fulgham, uh, 42-yarder, which ended up being the go-ahead touchdown and, and the decider. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's okay. That's one nice throw. There's still a lot of accuracy issues in there. He is doing a good job of being more mobile than he usually is. But, like, you know, you're not going to win the whole season like that. I mean, eventually he's going to have to make plays with his arm. And he did just enough to beat the 49ers. But I just don't think that's going to cut it most weeks. So he has to play a lot better. And until I see it happen, I'm not just going to assume it right now. You know, I know Carson Wentz has this track record of being a good quarterback. I would think he is going to get somewhat better. Maybe not this bad. But I don't know if it's also going to jump up to, you know, where ideally he would be, like a top 10 quarterback. I just I'm not going to believe that until I see it. Right now on the uh, the Steelers side of things, Ben Roethlisberger, obviously the story of our kind of offseason was his elbow, what it would look like when he was coming back in. And now he's kind of had this uh, this kind of pseudo break and he's got to go on a 13 game run. Now, Brian, are you do you have any concern that uh, Ben will kind of wear out through these 13 games? And could that become an issue come playoff time? It could always be an issue. It just is. It really depends how how he has healed. Now, we have talked about the fact that, you know, this injury first started when he was a rookie because with all of those tears, um, the first one happened and he played with, with that for about 13, 14 years, and then the rest went. So if it's repaired and he's better than ever, and a lot of people are still considering his arm pretty strong. I mean, you're seeing him overthrow a lot of receivers on the deep ball. The big concern right now is getting that deep ball back into prominence with this team, really uh, making sure that that's uh, tight and connecting is what I'm really trying to say. But I have not really had any questions about his arm strength, so I'm really not worried about it wearing out. I'm just uh, worried about Ben having to go back to being a gunslinger. If he has to go back to being a gunslinger, then you're going to see a lot of interceptions. Right now, I'm going to knock on wood, knock on anything I could find to say seven against one as far as touchdowns and interceptions. It's pretty phenomenal for Ben Roethlisberger. And so this is something that we're not used to as well. And another thing to remember about Ben Roethlisberger, the last time we saw him in a full season, what was he trying to do? He threw a lot of interceptions. He threw 16 interceptions. Why? Because he had a receiver, a diva wide receiver that was going to um, threaten not to come to work the next day, throw a, a Gatorade container, just go completely crazy if he was not involved in every throw. And all of those interceptions, 13 of those 16 interceptions were passes that were targeted for Antonio Brown. Ben does not need to do that this year. Ben is fortunate to have a young receiving crew that's hungry, that are listening to what he's saying, that are being guided by Ben, and are willing to work as a team. You're seeing that with Juju Smith-Schuster, who's the leader of those receivers, and he's very unselfish. He was the leading receiver in the last game against the Houston Texans with, I believe, 46 yards. I know it was under 50. And the thing about that is he was thrilled with the win. You would have not seen that before with Antonio Brown if the balls were going to another player. So with Deontay Johnson... With Chase Claypool and James Washington, along with Juju and the two tight ends, Ben has so many weapons. So I'm thrilled with what's going on here, and I'm not as worried about Ben. Now, 
On that note, Brandon, how does this Philadelphia Eagles team kind of stop a Ben Roethlisberger-led Pittsburgh Steelers offense? Yeah, so the so the defense, like I said, is looking good, or at least better for the Eagles. I mean, they had their worst game in Week 2 against the Rams, where the Rams came out, and I believe they scored touchdowns and, like with ease on their first three drives. I mean, they just methodically moved down the field. It looked like like a practice setting, like where the, where the Rams were basically supposed to just dominate and the defense was supposed to just take their lumps. I mean, it was really bad. But uh, since then, uh, I think they've kind of hunkered down a little bit. You know, Jim Schwartz is a, a good defensive coordinator for all the, uh, the, the ire he draws from Eagles fans. And he can be frustrating. I'm not saying he's perfect. But when you look at his track record, I mean, heading into this season, uh, since 2016, Jim Schwartz's defense was only allowing like the six fewest points in the NFL, um, it, first fewest at home. Uh, he has a track record here. And so I think, you know, when you look at how uh, the Eagles were able to beat the 49ers, I mean, and, and really tie against the Bengals, uh, it was because they were able to beat up on those quarterbacks. I mean, again, 33 quarterback hits in two games. Like, I, I know the Steelers generate a lot of pressure. They're actually, like, the best in the NFL at it, according to Pro Football Focus. But the Eagles are really coming on here with their defensive line. And they invested a lot of money and resources into that line. So uh, it's only right that that unit would start producing like they should be. And, yeah, so I think that's really the, the key there. I mean, it's, it's about generating pressure up front. They kind of have to just dominate the line of scrimmage. And that's really going to give them their best chance to succeed. And obviously, too, you're, you're hoping for the turnovers because that was really big in this 49ers game. Prior to last week in week four, the Eagles hadn't – forced a turnover since week 17 of 2019 so obviously you know kind of being able to use that pass rush not only get sacks but there was a big play in that 49ers game where Jannard Avery um, was able to hit Nick Mullins and force an interception that kind of really swung the momentum of that game and they're going to need more plays like that moving forward now there's another quarterback in this uh, matchup too that I think is worth noting for the Eagles uh, Brandon Jalen Hurts in this one, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a, a whole n- another animal. I, I know he's been used kind of as a gadget player a little bit. Uh, how, how has he kind of uh, been used in this uh, Eagles offense, and what should Steelers fans kind of expect uh, when he's on the field? Yeah, it's been a small package so far. It hasn't been like this, you know, this this really big thing. They kind of bring him in here and there. Hasn't really been super successful, honestly. You know, there hasn't really been a lot of fruit born out of that. Um, haven't really even seen him throw the ball yet, so we've yet to to see that integrate into the offense. The Eagles did try to do a double pass with him against the 49ers last week, but they kind of just sniffed it out, and it ended up being Hurts, you know, taking off for like a five-yard run instead. So you'll see that mixed in there for sure. Um, it'll be interesting to see maybe if they go to it more because of the Steelers' pass rush is so good and the Eagles have some offensive line issues. Maybe they're going to look to get a little bit more creative with that and uh and pick their spots but yeah it, it's not something i think that is this lethal weapon by any means and teams should really be afraid of yet it's just something you're probably going to notice for like three to five plays if that much on sunday yeah now brian what uh what do you kind of have to worry about when you're playing up against uh, a, a gadget player of sorts like hurts that kind of change of pace type type guy what uh what do the steelers have to kind of do to kind of limit uh some some big plays from a, a unlikely source notice when he's on the field is the number one thing i i guess that's that's elementary but you know for me it's just don't get caught with your pants down when he's on the field you know that he's not going if he's there for a for a uh as a decoy then he's not gonna be a decoy for long he's they're not gonna waste time 
putting him out there to just uh, not go to him. So you need to pay attention to him. You need to, I mean, I'm sure that they've been working on practice with it, with uh, about Jalen Hurts. I'm sure they've, uh, they've had, they've had Josh Dobbs in that situation with, uh, with his speed. They've probably had him working out with the team as well. And think about it. They've had extra time to work on the Philadelphia Eagles because last week when they found out that there was going to be no game, they still had practice. So they've already implemented that. They kind of have a head start on this. And you know, the brain trust is just thinking about the possibility of Jalen Hurts coming in and uh, you're wrecking some things on at least one play. So they're going to be ready for it. They're going to be thinking about it, but you just can't lose sight of that and get caught you don't want those pants around the ankle, man. You're in trouble. It, it's true. Um, now, speaking of uh, speaking of offensive line and some injuries, the the Eagles have really been slammed, uh, Brandon. Now, f- five five names um, of, of guys that have uh, were projected starters or had started uh, on the Eagles line uh, have spent some time on the IR or just flat out uh, just just not going to be healthy to go in this one. Can you break down what's kind of going on there and uh, how the Eagles are going to be able to uh, kind of stave off the Steelers uh, pass rush? Yeah, so uh, I, I'm like thinking about it in my head here and I'll make sure I have it all right because it's a lot to keep track of. Okay, so, you know, they it's like June earlier this year. They lose their starting Pro Bowl right guard, Brandon Brooks, for the season. Achilles tear, really unfortunate. Um, playing at a high level for a couple of years now. Then uh, Lane Johnson goes down in training camp. He misses like several weeks. We find out he had ankle surgery in like August. He missed some time at the beginning of the season. Uh, 2019 first round pick Andre Dillard suffered a biceps injury in practice in training camp one day. That's your starting left tackle out for the season. So Jason Peters, who was originally resigned to play right guard in place of Brooks uh, goes back over to left tackle after he demands a raise and the team gives him a raise. Uh, he gets hurt. Uh, unexpectedly didn't even know he had suffered a an injury that was going to put him on IR right before the day before the 49ers game. So now you have a guy named Jordan Mailata who had never even played a single snap of football in his life until like three years ago in the preseason. Uh, he had been a rug, rugby league football player in Australia. Um, he comes in, he, he does pretty well against the 49ers, especially in his first start. Um, so he's out there at left tackle. Uh, at left guard, the Eagles have a former undrafted rookie free agent named Nate Herbig starting uh, for them. And he's done some good things, but, you know, again, not an ideal starter. Jason Kelsey is obviously an all-pro player. I think he's made all-pro three years now, so very good player there. He's a little banged up, though, so that's not great. At right guard, you have Matt Pryor, who was a guy the Eagles basically did not want to play at all unless they have to, so not ideal. Um, and then at right tackle, again, I, I mentioned Lane Johnson. He was kind of in and out of the lineup last week because he's still dealing with that ankle injury. Doug Peterson admitted it's going to be a nagging issue for him all season when he's healthy. He's one of the best tackles, not just right tackles, just offensive tackles, period, in the game. But he's not healthy right now, and that means Jack Driscoll, who is a fourth-round rookie that the Eagles have, he, he's probably going to get some snaps. You know, Lane might not be able to play the whole game. So it's not ideal right now. Now – What's working in the Eagles' favor is they have a very good offensive line coach and Jeff Stoutland, and he kind of takes all that and he figures it out and he, he finds a way to make it work. And I think a lot of people might, from afar, look at Carson Wentz and see him struggling and think it's just the offensive line. It's really not. He's had time. I mean, it's not perfect. 
yes, but he's had ample time to throw at moments, and he just hasn't really made those throws count. So uh, I think the offensive line is definitely in for their biggest test against this Steelers defense, and it's very concerning. But I don't think it's going to be a total disaster just because I've seen Jeff Stoutland before kind of make the most out of not the most to work with. Now, Brandon, I, I want to come right back at you with uh, with another question because Jason Peters, the story here, it seems like there's a lot going on, a whole lot more than meets the eye. Um, obviously, that kind of injury seemed like he was fine after the last game, goes in IR kind of randomly. D- does he want to be there? Like, What's kind of the whole deal with Jason Peters, and uh, is he done for the season, really? I don't think he's done for the season in terms of just the severity of his injury, but I mean, he might be done for his career in terms of if Jordan Mailata continues to play well, I mean, he should be the guy. I mean, maybe you put Jason Peters back in at right guard, or again, he was going to originally play with Brooks out because they probably might like Peters there more than prior. So it's possible he comes back in that role. Um, But yeah, I think the thing with Peters that other people outside of Philly and maybe some people even in Philly don't necessarily fully understand is he has like unparalleled clout for a player there's a story about how every year the eagles do weigh-ins and you know every single player has to do it you know they take your weight their height jason peters doesn't step on the scale he tells you how much he weighs and that's you know that's that's you know kind of how it goes i mean he's been around here he's been around the league for a long time he just has a lot of clout he's even said and this is I, I can never get over this. He has said he has a relationship with Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie that they are best friends. You don't see a lot of players being best friends with these like billionaire owners. That's just not a common dynamic at all. So yeah, it, it's a weird, strange situation. And again, uh, I said like he, he literally demanded a raise to pay left tackle and they paid it to him. So Jason Peters is a very unique player in both talent and how good he is at his prime not so much anymore uh but also how he's treated yeah you know i I would assume being best friends with the owner is probably an easy way to get a uh, a decent raise maybe that's what i gotta do in uh in my uh in in my uh in my world but uh brian getting back to the football stuff the steelers d-line obviously their front seven defense as a whole really uh, has been uh one of the best attacking groups in football, obviously looking across at a at a weekend line, weekend weekend receiving core, and, and a Carson Wentz that's been struggling. Um, do you think this is a week that we could see some some big time kind of gaudy sack numbers, or or is this going to be one of those typical Steeler trap games where for whatever reason they just can't seem to get home? You know what? I'm really careful when projecting sacks on the preview tomorrow night. I'm sure. You know, Jeff and Dave will be predicting so many sacks. We'll do the over-under on that. For some reason, I always like to take the under because just when you think that they're going to go ahead and attack like crazy, you run into a quarterback that is able to elude some pressure. Now, when he came into the league, 16, 17, please, Brandon, correct me if I'm wrong, but he Carson Wentz was very good at eluding eluding the rush and getting out of trouble. I don't know where his numbers were the last few years as far as that goes. I don't know if he's taken a little bit of a back seat. But with that being said, he still can get out of trouble in my mind. And they've, they've got to be careful. They don't want to be too overconfident. But this Steeler front seven is fantastic. It is the strength of their team. You know that. Um, 
I worry about the Sports Illustrated jinx because TJ Watt was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So that always scares the heck out of me because I'm that superstitious fool. But, you know, the thing about the Steelers, when it comes to rushing the passer, if Bud Dupree's not going to kill you, TJ Watt's going to. If those two aren't going to kill you, Cam Hayward and Stefan Tuitt are going to be in your face. And now with Javon Hargrave going to the Philadelphia Eagles, which he was fantastic here in Pittsburgh, they have not missed a beat. And I'm still shocked that Tyson Alualu has come in and played so well. So this front seven is playing spectacular, but they're going to be they're going to be cognizant of Carson Wentz being able to uh, you know get out of some trouble and maybe turn a third and eight into a first down. They've got to make sure that they're they're checking him on that. Now, uh, I'd be uh, remiss if we didn't ask about our old uh, buddy Javon Hargrave. Brandon, how's Hargrave looked uh, through some uh, playing time in this uh, early season? Yeah, so he had an injury before even like training camp really started. So he, he missed basically off camp. He missed the first couple games, uh, wasn't ready to play right away. He had a pectoral injury, you know, and then he had a hamstring injury on top of that. So just bad luck for him to start with. And then uh, I think the first uh, few games he had here, he didn't even like log a stat. So that wasn't the best thing. Um, but I think he was a little bit more pr- productive than that showed. He, he was getting some pressures, you know, uh, PFF charts those. Uh, you know, I think he finally got in the stat sheet. I believe he had a half a sack. Uh, against the 49ers saw him being a little bit more disruptive in there so yeah i mean that was a big signing for the eagles you know that was like their premier free agent uh addition that they made this offseason so um definitely and interesting too because the eagles already have fletcher cox who you know is like one of the best defensive tackles in the league and, and one of the most highest paid and they also brought in malik jackson last year who was like their big free agent addition signing last year so so it's kind of weird when they signed hargrave because like wow they're, you're gonna add another kind of starting caliber big money defensive tackle in here and you know the thought with that is like okay like they better all be pretty productive if you're paying this big money like they'd be better be generating a lot of interior pass rush and you know, these past couple of weeks, they have been able to do that. So the investment is looking more worth it now. And I think Hargrave, as he can kind of continue to get further removed from this injury, you know, he could have a bigger impact. And I'm sure he's going to be super hyped up for this game. I'm sure he wants to make some big plays against his former team uh, and really stand out. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to watch him this week. Now, uh, Brandon, I was thinking about coming back right to you on this one. Injuries has kind of been the theme so far of uh, of our conversation Obviously, the, the Eagles receiving core has been hit by it pretty hard as well. Uh, Jalen Rager, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Deshaun Jackson, Dallas Goddard. Where's where's this offense kind of coming from now? And uh, can can some of the blame do you think can be taken off of Carson Wentz's shoulders when it when you look at uh, the guys that he's throwing at? Yeah, I mean, to the extent of where like Carson Wentz shouldn't be expected to be like the MVP or, or even like a top five quarterback right now. But I don't think it's, you know, enough blame to take off him to where he should be this bad. You know, it should be somewhere in between. Like if he was looking mediocre, okay, then fine. Like maybe he's not looking awesome because everything else around him isn't great. But I think a big issue is that Carson Wentz is simply missing throws. Like he has time to throw. 
receiver is open and the ball is just not even in the vicinity where the receiver can make a play. I mean, that's just on the quarterback at some point. But going back to the receiver position at large, um, Ashawn Jeffrey could potentially be back this week. We don't know that for sure. He's still limited in practice. Um, they, they might bring him back. Uh, Deshaun Jackson is still dealing with a hamstring issue. He missed practice and then the game in week four. He's limited today on Wednesday, so maybe he'll be able to go. But even if he is, like it's just kind of a, a question of when's he going to get hurt again because he hasn't been able to stay healthy since the Eagles have really brought him back. So those guys kind of don't know for sure. Travis Fulgham, who was a name and a guy you've probably never heard of before, uh, except for him catching a touchdown pass against the 49ers. Um, he could be in for a role again with him making that play. Maybe the Eagles see something in him that they like. Uh, they have a guy they drafted in the second round last year named J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who is basically useless and is <laughs> effectively like a blocking receiver for them. So I'm not counting on him to do anything big. And if he does, then I look like a fool. Um, Greg Ward they have is basically just a slot guy. Um, Zach Ertz has really not had the year that you would expect from him, especially he comes in here. He's talking about how he wants a new contract. Well, and he hasn't really been doing anything so far to really justify that. Now he's still a very good player. So maybe we'll see him turn it on at some point, but you know, it hasn't been to, there to this point. And obviously defenses are going to try to key in on him and take him away. Cause that's Carson Wentz's security blanket. So yeah, you know, it's, it's not an ideal situation by any means, but sometimes you know, there's a thought that Carson Wentz actually plays better when he has like less weapons to work with. That's what we saw down the stretch last year in 2019, where like everyone's hurt. He's thrown to Greg Ward. He's thrown to Deontay Burnett. He's thrown to Robert Davis, who isn't even in the NFL anymore. He's thrown to all these no-name practice squad guys. And for some reason, it seems like uh, those guys are hungrier for the opportunity. And Carson Wentz is almost like he knows that like he really has to carry them and make it work somehow. So uh, it's not going to be pretty. This Eagles offense is not in a good state right now. They're going up against a very tough Steelers defense. I'm under no impression that the Eagles are going to be able to, you know, easily move the ball or score on the Steelers team. It's going to be really tough. Awesome. Now, uh, I think we're going to, if you're listening on our podcast platform, we're going to flip over to part two. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, just hang tight. Um, but uh, for more great uh, uh, conversation, with Brandon Gowton from uh, Bleeding Green Nation. Uh, make sure to flip over to part two if you're listening on our podcast side.